It's 11 minutes before the hour. You are listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 25th, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. There's an unusual word being used in early budget discussions in Sitka, surplus. But that doesn't mean the city has money to burn. KCAW's Catherine Rose explains how belt tightening over the past few months has offset revenue declines during the pandemic and given Sitka some unexpected options in its finances next year. Uncertainty continues to be a central theme as the Sitka Assembly looks toward the budget for next fiscal year. When the Assembly met on Thursday for a budget work session, it discussed the FY 2022 budget, focusing on some of the challenges and unknowns. City staff anticipate a budget deficit of around $1.5 million, due in large part to a COVID-driven decrease in tourism and sales tax revenue. But careful budgeting last year led to at least one silver lining, said City Finance Director Melissa Haley. You know, we are expecting to generate a surplus of $1.5 million in FY21. Of course, that's a projection. Haley said they could carry over that surplus to cover the FY22 deficit, keeping the budget relatively flat. Or they could tackle the deficit by making cuts to services or finding other revenue sources to tap. The city's biggest budget item is school funding, topping out around $7 million, give or take, each year. Last year, the Assembly agreed early on to fund the Sitka School District to the maximum, or the cap. Member Tor Christensen, whose wife teaches in the elementary school, said making the call early made the budgeting process much easier. The investment we make in schools every year, to me, it's, it's the, one of the cornerstones of our city government. It's an investment we have to make, um, and especially with the flat state funding, I think we need to be at or near the cap from the get-go to say, okay, that's what that is, and then we work around it. The state sets the cap, and it is substantially higher this year than it was last year. And there's still no word on whether the district will receive secure rural schools funding, which can go towards schools or roads in communities like Sitka that are surrounded by federal land. Haley said in the current draft, staff has budgeted flat funding for schools and didn't include the federal funding just in case. And, um, you know, if we were to add funding to the cap at this point, then we would you know, be looking at, you know, going 600000 more into our fund balance. Member Rebecca Hemshute, who works as a teacher in Sitka, said she would support funding the school district to the cap. Kevin Mosher wanted to wait until the assembly meets with the school board in February before committing to a number. Most assembly members didn't weigh in on the school funding decision. Even with the budget challenges, city departments are budgeting for more staffing in a few areas. Administrator John Leach asked for assembly guidance on a few positions that aren't currently funded. A public relations director, a procurement specialist, an assistant fire chief, and another police dispatcher who would help the city centralize its police and fire dispatch. Some assembly members voiced support for the PR and procurement jobs, but several wanted more information on the dispatcher and assistant fire chief positions. The Assembly is still in the early stages of the budgeting process. They'll have their next budget meeting on February 4th with the Sitka School Board. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Students in the Kupernoff Island village of Cake will resume in-person learning for the first time since the start of the pandemic. The Cake City School Board announced this week that the district will adopt a mixture of in-person and remote learning starting February 8th, barring any new active cases in the community. Students who want to remain fully remote still have the option. 
Cake City School District Superintendent Rich Catahay says that teachers are excited to have students back in the building, participating in hands-on activities. We, we look forward to seeing, seeing our students back in, in classes, look at those huge smile and uh, the com- conversations that we have. Catahay says a recent survey of local parents showed that two out of three prefer to return to in-person learning. He says a number of factors influenced the board's decision, including availability of semi-monthly testing for staff and students and widespread vaccinations. Nearly 60 percent of adults in CAKE have received their first dose. With the vaccine and the screening, um, you know, and and just, you know, being smart about COVID uh, at this time, um, We hope that we would uh, limit the number of cases in, in town a lot less than, you know, the possibility that we had back then before vaccine. CAKE has reported 27 cases of the coronavirus since the start of the pandemic, but hasn't reported a new case since December. If an active case is reported, CAKE will return to remote learning for 14 days in accordance with the district's Smart Start plan. A major player is exiting the energy business in southeast Alaska. Crowley Fuels is set to sell its Southeast Alaska business to Anchorage-based Petromarine Services. The deal is expected to close in mid-February. But as Eric Stone reports from Alaska's Energy Desk, some fear the move could make life in the panhandle even less affordable. Petromarine and Jacksonville, Florida-based Crowley say customers won't notice much difference aside from the company's name. Petromarine says it will honor all of Crowley's existing contracts in Southeast Alaska. But some local officials and residents say they've been burned before. You know, we uh, experienced sizable price increases in shipping uh, from Alaska Marine Lines. That's Mark Hilson. He's Ketchikan's Public Works Director. He's talking about a merger that happened a few years back when Alaska Marine Lines merged with shipping competitor Northland Services. Hilson says that since that merger, prices are going up faster than they should. So... We saw as competition went away, prices increased at much more than cost of living uh, price indicators would normally escalate. Hilson says he's afraid that once Petromarine takes over Crowley's business, it'll leave Ketchikan with only one supplier for gas, heating oil, and marine fuel. And if the past is any indication, he says prices will go up. Petro Marine's chief administrative officer, Jasper Hall, declined an interview, but in a statement he says there will still be competition in the region from Delta Western, an oil company whose parent firm is headquartered in Seattle. Delta Western has a large terminal in Juneau, and its website advertises services in Sitka, Haines, and Yakutat. But Hilson says Delta Western doesn't have nearly the footprint in Ketchikan that Crowley does. Delta Western has a single gas station seven miles north of town, nowhere near commercial harbors and fish processors. So uh, there will be a, a monopoly on, uh, on the water side of fuel. And he says if prices do start to go up, it'll hurt. Not just the city's bottom line, but also the fishing fleet, not to mention everyday residents. He suggested the state attorney general's office should investigate the acquisition as a possible violation of antitrust law. But Hall, the Petromarine executive, says that investigation already happened. Hall says the company told the Department of Law it was interested when Crowley indicated it would leave the southeast Alaska market. And he says state antitrust lawyers already reviewed and cleared the sale. 
Department of Law spokesperson Maria Barr declined to share details. She says investigations by the department's Consumer Protection Unit are confidential. Hall says the acquisition isn't expected to mean any job losses. Any Southeast Alaska Crowley employees who want to work for Petromarine will have a job. In fact, he says Petromarine anticipates adding jobs in some locations to bolster customer service. As for gas, diesel, and marine fuel prices, Hall says Petromarine has, in his words, no plans to change our approach to pricing. The deal is expected to close February 17th. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Eric Stone in Ketchikan. One of Royal Caribbean International's largest ships won't be deployed to Alaska in 2021. The 4,900-passenger Quantum of the Seas was scheduled to make its maiden voyage to Alaska this year. But Royal Caribbean announced Thursday that the megaship would remain in the Asia-Pacific, where it's homeported in Singapore. It's the latest in a string of early cancellations that are chipping away at southeast Alaska's cruise season, a major engine for the region's visitor economy. Norwegian Cruise Lines and Carnival Corporation subsidiaries Princess Cruises and Holland America Lines have already canceled their early 2021 sailings. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention still discourages cruising with its highest risk rating. This season, it will allow cruise ships to return if they meet local and federal protocols. Alaska's coastal communities are still establishing COVID-19 mitigation plans so they can be ready for cruise ship passengers when they return. RCI still plans to send three of its megaships to Alaska, the Ovation of the Seas, the Radiance of the Seas, and the Serenade of the Seas. And we have a correction on a story that we aired on Thursday about wolf trapping on and around Prince of Wales Island. It was incorrectly reported that 68 wolves were taken in 16 days. Those wolves were actually harvested over three weeks. Taking a look at the community calendar. Those becoming members of Friends of Sheldon Jackson Museum through Friday, February 5th, will have their names entered in a drawing for an Alley High signed print or beaded barrette. Winners will be announced during the annual meeting on Saturday, February 6th via Zoom. To join the nonprofit, go to friendsofsjm.com. Those with questions can email friendsofsjm at gmail.com or call 747 6233. The deadline to register for an online seaweed farm training technical workshop is Monday, February 1st. The session will be held 4 to 6 p.m. Tuesday, February 2nd via Zoom. To register, go to alaskaseagrant.org. More information is available at at afdf.org or by calling Willow Moore at 747-3400. Auntie's House for youth age 13 to 24 meets at 4 p.m. Wednesdays and Thursdays via Zoom through March 29th. Sessions are open-ended conversations to share family traditions, have a break from peer pressure, and connect. Email monica at mchase at search.org to register. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Raven News.